Ron and Anian. First of all, do you know where Point Pleasant, New Jersey is at? Sure. Point Pleasant, New Jersey is about oh. an hour and a half south of me. That's where my car was delivered in 1967. The car doctor. Okay, so you turn the key in, and what happens? Nothing. The lights will light up on the dash, you know, and all that, but nothing in the engine starts. There, nothing initiates. Doesn't crank, you know. Nothing. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines, 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here to answer your questions and cares and concerns about your automobile, 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor 24-7 phone number. Give us a call. Keep in mind, we are live on the air Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. on the network. If you wish to call 855-560-9900 anytime, day or night, leave a message. Tom Ray will call you back, or Motorhead Matt will call you back and get you in the loop and talk to you about your car problem and get you up here for the next live broadcast as uh, we continue to try and solve your problem and uh, keep all these cars running and just educate you about your automobile. That's the purpose of this show. It has been for the past, well, going on 27 years now. That's what we do. Cardoctorshow.com is the website, podcasting information there as well. Um, some changes there, as, though, as you can tell, and we appreciate your patience as we're trying to work out the bugs and uh, we move forward with technology because technology is always changing. Speaking of technology, do you like that segue? smooth and you know speaking of technology um got to talk about cars Uh, that's that's what we're here for right the oil change service hey my car needs this your car is due for an oil change your car might need some some of this or some of that you know it used to be that you would either watch the sticker in the windshield i go back to the days of stickers in the door jams but in any event you know it's it's a matter of when am i due for service and what am i due for now we've got cars, and we have had for the longest time, cars telling us when we're due for something and what it is that we have to do. And technology has taken another step forward where we're going to be contacting you directly. And I have seen this system work. I've used it to a, to a degree, and it, it's very successful in terms of what it does. Um, it's from the folks over at Anrim Technologies. It's, it's Drive. That's the name of it. It's a new service that will replace the sticker in your windshield when you need an oil change, and we've reached out to Jason Harris. He is the CEO of Anrim, and we're happy to have him with us here today for our conversation. Jason, welcome to The Car Doctor. Hey, Ron. Great to be with you. Thank you. So talk to us a little bit about Drive. Where did it you – know, first of all, what is Drive? Did I describe it correctly? Yeah, no, I think you did a great job there, kind of the, the next evolution of technology and, and uh, just really taking what your car does and letting you know that there's maybe an issue with the check engine light. Uh, that sticker that's in the corner of your windshield, and really taking that the next step and getting that information to your trusted mechanic and allowing them to maintain that for you, reach out to you when you need the service done so you don't really have to worry about it. So what is drive? I mean, how does it? How, how does my car get to be a drive car, per se, for lack of a better way to put it? Okay. So, so drive is really it's a connected car service, and that's this big buzzword that's out these days. 
And uh, by, by working with participating mechanic, what we can do is we can actually get a little dongle in your OBD2 port, which is uh, something that every new car has these days. And that dongle will read all kinds of diagnostic information from the car, figure out how far you've driven, these kind of things, and uh, send that up to your mechanic automatically for you. And your mechanic can then uh, find out when something's wrong, what's wrong, and help uh, bring you in for service without you having to worry about it. So you've you've got a little, I call them tchotchkes, but we'll use your word. It's a, it's a, it's a it's an OBD2 dongle type device, uh, probably no bigger than a than a, than an old school pager would have been. Correct. Yeah, yeah, pretty much the exact same thing. Yep. And it it plugs into the OBD2 port, so that has that has the ability to dial out or work on wireless or what is that doing? Yeah. So um, what we're doing with, uh, with our instantiation of this is we actually uh, take that data that's being collected from your car. And uh, when your cell phone's in the vicinity of the car, we actually move that data through your cell phone and up to the web uh, via our app that you would have on your phone. So the app is, is helping just let you know, just like any other app that you may have for, for Facebook or whatever it is, it's letting you know important things in this case, helping keep track of uh, vehicle information, and uh, it also then gets that information up to your mechanic for you. So, okay, where'd you come up with this brainchild, Jason? It's, it's, I mean, it's a heck, it's a heck of an idea. Um, you know, you've kind of taken it to, you, you really have taken it to the next level. Now the car is going above and beyond. Um, how, long have you been, how long have you guys been working on this? Well, I, I think from, uh, from the, the first vision of it, it's, it's definitely been a couple of years, and and really just uh, trying to look at things um, from having tinkered around with cars and whatnot a little bit and saying, hey, I have this problem with, with my car, and trying to go on these forums online and figure out what, what the problem is, and realizing at the end of the day that that problem really isn't probably unique to me. Many other people have had it. Um, there must be a, a more uh, intuitive way to collect all the information from the cars, figure out what's going on, compare that to other cars, and uh, be able to diagnose the issue um, with uh, with someone on the back end. So really get that information to the back end to help with that diagnosis. And, uh, you know, really played with this idea a little bit and try to understand where it is and find the right market application for it. And uh, and here we are with Drive. So let's say let's say I'm a parent with a kid in college and I've, I've got a Drive, you know, a Drive adapter or Drive dongle on the OBT port. My kid goes to college. Um just out of curiosity, how far how far along is this in the sense that you you know that the college student is going to get notified that their car is due for an oil change, but as the dad you know a thousand miles away back home, I'm worried about it. Like you know, is the kid doing this or is the kid you know doing something else? How do I know it's being done? How do I know it's being followed? Yeah, no. So um, one of the things that we do with Drive that makes things very easy is, is allowing. Uh, different users in the family to kind of just share the information. So just like you said, you have the, the father, the dad, perhaps maybe it's the mom that's kind of in charge of the uh, the family's vehicles, keeping track of things. And uh, you send that kid off to college for nine months. You have no idea if they're actually getting that oil change done or whatnot. But now you can actually see the mileage on the car. You can actually see whether your, your son or daughter's car has a check engine lighter on or whatnot. And then you can actually reach out to them and get them to uh, – get that into the mechanic instead of coming you know they come home for spring break and you're like there's 10 things wrong with this car what happened right. you're driving this right. car this well, wrong and, and that's so it, it's sort of like um a big brother looking over their shoulder trying to 
trying to you know keep an eye on things. It's it's like the parent being there and saying, "Hey, you got to get the car in for service because the dad's got the app a thousand miles away and he's looking at it." Yeah, I think it definitely helps for that that family situation with the with the parents and the kids um, in that. Uh, in that perspective, yep. Now, I, I noticed when I was reading the reports on, on on Drive that it'll also tell you where the vehicle is, right? Or did I misunderstand that? Do you have the ability to track the vehicle? Yeah, so, so we have some preliminary vehicle uh, tracking uh, information. And um, what, we, what we have tried to do, though, is uh, what we are doing is limiting that to, to the users themselves. So, for instance... Um, if the father wants to see where the kid is, uh, he, he may be able to do that. Um, but then actually restricting that uh, to that user group. So, for instance, your mechanic, you want them to know if the check engine light's on. You want them to know if, if your mileage has gone 5,000 miles for the oil change. But you don't want your mechanic to know where your car is. Right. So what we do is we actually don't supply that information to your mechanic. Um, but let's say you broke down on the side of the road. Um, then we can actually let you choose to send a one-time uh, location to your mechanic to say, "Hey, come, uh, come, tow me and pick me up." Kind of like a ping, like here I am, help me. Send out, send out an SOS yes. type of a thing. So, yeah, exactly. so if the kid's in college, a thousand miles away, and the check engine light comes on, does Dad get a text message saying, "Hey, Junior's car just set a P zero one seven one fault"? Yeah. So, so um, actually, what ends up happening is uh, you get an alert through the app. So I don't know if you're familiar with all these Apple push notifications and Google's got the same thing. It kind of looks like a text message, but it's technically not a text message. But that's essentially what it is. It pops up on your phone and says, hey, your uh, your 2012 uh, Honda Accord just through a check engine light. Here's the code. It needs service. Wow. That's kind of neat. Um, that's that's you know, that that just sort of makes your head spin. Um in, in terms of what it's got the potential to do. Your, your last question, or coming up to the last question, um, I'm just trying to think about the applications for this. Can you can you tailor or alter when you wanted to send notification for service? You know, what if I want to do a 4,000-mile oil change interval? Can you do that? Yeah, so, so what we've done is we've allowed, um, from the mechanic end or the service center end of this, um, you can work with your, your service center, your mechanic, as they're putting together a... Uh, a diagnostic program for you. Um, so whether you have a, a car that needs to be serviced at 5,000 miles or 10,000 miles, you can customize that service plan for your specific uh, type of vehicle and then have it have it alert you based upon your specific criteria that you've worked with your mechanic on. Does it does it do anything else besides just oil change and check engine light reminders, Jason? Can, and we're speaking with Jason Harris of Anrim Technologies for everybody just tuning in. Jason, does it, you know, can I set it to track tire rotations or major services or, you know, is it, or we haven't gotten to that port yet, is, is you know. Yeah, so, so one of the things uh, we definitely can do uh, today is, is not just that oil change at, say, 5,000 miles, but uh, whatever that uh, service interval, whether it's a tire rotation at an interval that perhaps is a little longer than that, uh, changing fluids, whatever that may be, that's something we have today. And uh, some of the other stuff we've kind of got in the works are things like your charging system health. Uh, is your alternator working properly? Has it failed? And do you need to uh, bring your car in before the battery dies? Or is your battery dying? Uh, so in the charging system space, we're trying to add some new features and get some new things rolled out um, and looking for, for further features beyond that as well. Wow. You guys are right on the cutting edge. Hey, Jason, our time's just about up. If the listeners want to get more information about Drive, where can they go get it? There's got to be a website. 
Yeah, so our website is drive-smarter.com, and uh, you can look us up there. We've uh, got uh, email and phone number for, for sales and whatnot information if you'd like to find out further. Listen, I appreciate you taking your time today, Jason. Thanks a lot, and have a great rest Thank of the you. day. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'm Ron Annie, The Car Doctor. By the way, I want to point out, coming up, we are giving away a 39 Ford this hour, courtesy of the folks over at Wix, WixFilters.com. If You'll can, give it away when you pry it from Tony's cold, dead hands. Well, I'm coming outside of the studio right now to do that, So, but we're going to do that this hour, I promise. And uh, we'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Car Doctor rolling along at 855-560-9900. Let's get over and talk to Norman, Farmingdale, Maine, 02 Ford Escape. Norman, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, how are you doing this afternoon? Good, sir. What's going on? Well, I have an 02 Ford Escape. Um, every time when I'm driving down the road, I turn on the air conditioner. It starts overheating and blowing out the uh, reservoir. Okay. Uh, I I drive up a hill like a high tack, pulling a um, like ski do or something, or even just driving down the road slowly. It overheats and blows out where I my uh, water light come, you know, my antifreeze light comes on, saying add more. Um, I change the thermostat. I change the reservoir. I change the hoses. I've changed the cover. I flushed out the radiator, and if I'm just sitting idling, like, say, at a restaurant or you know, the drive-thru, when I park it, it overflows. But it doesn't show on my dashboard between cold and hot. It stays right in the middle that it's overheating. Okay. Uh, so, and go ahead. Finish up. And I, oh, and I've already gone through, like, three gallons of antifreeze in the last two months. When you say you've gone through it, what, it goes missing or you've boiled over? I boiled over. Like, say, for instance, if I drive from my house all the way up to the convenience store, I park it. When I come out, there's a big puddle underneath my vehicle with a big stream heading down the driveway. Okay. But by gauge, the car's not overheating? By the gauge, it's not, no. Okay. So when it goes through this boil over and and, and starts to overheat, as you, as you describe, um any idea upper and lower radiator hoses both hot both cold one hot one cold anything like that have you felt them both hot my mechanic that i bring it to even says what's weird is when he re- when he pushes it when he squeezes the lower um hose it seems like there's no pressure and everything goes right into the overflow tank well because the the, the lower hose has that direct connection to the overflow tank does it not isn't there? A, uh, yes, yes, it does. Right, so that's why there's a spliced there's a spliced elbow coming off that. So, has he done any sort of diagnosis, any pressure testing, anything like that? Um, pressure testing seems fine. I haven't brought it to. I have a mechanic that I deliver to because I work for a place that I deliver pots for. Right, and he has a. Um, they call it's called the bear. I guess it's a. A machine that senses if I've blown a head gasket, I guess, type of machine. Um, a five-gas engine analyzer? Yes. Okay. And he's he sniffed the coolant, and he doesn't detect anything? I haven't gone that far yet. I'm trying to go the cheap way out by replacing you know all the minor stuff first. Well, before we start just continuing replacing... Let's 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 look at that statement. All right, I'm not I'm not trying to beat you up, Norman. I'm just trying to get you to nope. see it. Maybe from a, you know, come over to my church. All right. I understand. I understand. So you know, spending money replacing parts isn't a diagnosis. 
it, it can be a recipe for disaster. Uh, how many times do you hear me talk about, you know, what new means? New means never, ever worked. So, yeah. you know, you could be putting bad new stuff in, and you could be, and creating another problem, the same problem. Uh, you know, until you know why it overheats in the first place, you just don't know. You're, you're, you're throwing darts at a wall. Uh, but if I'm driving down the road, like, say, if I'm heading from my house down to Portland, Maine, and I just drive for, like, hours and hours and hours and hours. It doesn't it overheat. Never, right. It doesn't overheat in any okay. manner. So my first question, has anybody diagnosed it? The answer is going to be no. So here's what exactly. I want here's here's what I want you to do. Uh, maybe okay. you can answer some of this right off the bat. Do you have it? Do you have a generic OBD two scan tool? I don't know. Okay, a cheap scan tool comes in handy here. I'd like to know what engine temperature the onboard computer is seeing. All right, I don't want to trust the gauge just because the gauge is attached to the car, and the car is the thing that's broken. So I don't want to trust it. I've gotten out of the habit. I always get out of the habit of trusting the vehicle. I try to I try to look at things from the outside in, if you understand my meaning. I don't yeah. want I don't want to count on a coolant temp sensor that is, you know, maybe the coolant temp sensor is what triggers the cooling fan to come on and the cooling fans aren't coming on because the sensor's out of calibration and that's why the car's overheating in the first place. So I'd I'd like to see what an OBD two scan tool tells me. If an OBD two scan tool matches the gauge and it's probably the same sensor anyway but I'd still like to look at it with a gauge. I want as much non-car-related information, if that's possible, as I can get. All right? If if the scan tool verifies and tells me that it's 196 degrees via scan tool at the sensor, I'd like to see somebody take a heat gun, take an infrared gun, uh, and, or a thermal imager, something, and match temperature. How hot is it really? Okay. Yep. You know, it's just it's got to be part of the diagnosis. Um, could this be a blown head gasket? Yeah, anything's possible. Which is this, the V six or the four cylinder? The six. Okay. You know, three liters don't blow head gaskets. Not this generation, but that's not to say it it isn't. And I don't want to just you know blow off the diagnosis like that and say now nah, they don't go bad. But you know, it's just it's got to be step by step. I'll tell you what, Norman, sit tight, don't go anywhere. Let me pull over and take this pause, and when I come back, we'll finish up. I just don't want to rush the information. So if you would, just stay there on the side. I'm Ron Anning, the Car Doctor, eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the, the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. We've got Norman on the line from Farmingdale, Maine, continuing our conversation. O2 Ford Escape Overheating. Norman, you're still there. Yes, I certainly am. So when we took the pause, the conversation's about let's diagnose this, okay? Um, yes. You know, I want to see what a scan tool tells me. I'd like to see what a heat gun would tell me. Something, you know, does it match what the OBD2 scan tool tells me? If it says it's running at 212 degrees, does it match that? All right. The other concern yeah. I have with these is is the water pump working, all right? You know, just because the water pump's not leaking doesn't mean that it's not slipping on the impeller on, on the on the shaft itself. But that well, takes that, – go ahead. I'm sorry. That's another thing I was about to say, too, is um, I recently when this really all started out overheating, as I'm starting to hear, like, uh, not a belt squeal, but that type of a squeal coming from the front of the vehicle when it's idling. 
So one of the people at work, because I work for Napa, and they said it, it kind of sounds like the impeller inside is probably still pushing the water through but not circulating fully. And very possible. Now, the water pump on that should be located over on the driver's side. This is this this should be an auxiliary-mounted water pump. Uh, yes. th- th- and this should have an ELA belt. This should have the extended life belt. There's no adjustment. There's no tensioner pulley for this belt. It goes on and off with special tooling. Ah, okay. All right. If if, if I don't know if you're aware of that. Uh, how many miles are on this vehicle? 167,000. If that's the original belt, it's probably ready to fall off, brother. Oh, no, it's not the original belt. Okay. I've basically, this, this, I inherited this from my mother. She bought it brand new in 02. Okay. And I've been basically nickel and diamond. I mean, if it needs tires, I put four new tires. If it needs rotors, I put four brand new rotors. It basically, it's been rebuilt already twice. Because, right. I mean, you know, it's easier to fix a truck than buy a $25,000 truck. Right. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. But I would I would take a look at that squeal. If that squeal is the water pump slipping, then of course it's going to overheat. You know, yep. that's 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 clearly an issue. Uh, one of the other things you can do, your mechanic can do fairly inexpensively is take a pressure tester, start the car up and let the pressure tester sit on the radiator or if the expansion tank is part of the radiator, fine. But what I want to do is I just want to test to see if does any excess pressure build up in the system. And for that matter, has anybody tested the radiator cap? Um, the, radi- the radiator, the 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 um, let me see, with the overflow tank, it's totally separate from the radiator. Okay. Like it doesn't have a cap on the radiator itself. It's on the um, passenger side fender. Passenger side. Oh, okay. So the radiator. So there's no cap on the radiator. The radiator is separate, and the expansion tank is the radiator cap. Yes. Okay. So that's a pressurized bottle. Yes. So then the next question is: You're going to tell me you changed the cap already, though, didn't you? And I even changed the bottle itself. Okay. And that did nothing. Because because uh, somebody said I could have cracked around the seal where the cap goes on. Right. 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 Okay. Um, somebody's got to start diagnosing this, Norman. They've got to they've got to get a look at the front of the radiator. Could this radiator be restricted? All right. Are the cooling fans coming on? Do you know if the cooling fans are coming on? The cooling fans. I went to one of the places I delivered to, and he looked in, and the cycle of the cooling fans kind of are intermediate because they'll turn on, turn off, turn on turn off and then stay off for like 10 minutes and turn back on. So it's like, it doesn't It seem like it's, he so, says it kind of sounds like it's intermediate to where it's not. So it's short cycles. Turning. Yeah, it's short cycling. All right. After you after you did the thermostat and, and whatever work you did to this, did you happen to follow a bleed procedure for air? Um, no. Okay. There, 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 there very well could be a specific bleed procedure for air on this vehicle. All right, and you know that's got to be done. This could, this could also have some air trapped in it. See, that's what I mean. You could have already fixed this, and if there's air in the yeah. system, you've still you've created a second problem as a result. Ah, uh, all right. So that's got to be addressed. Now, what? Because well, for the longest time, it never overheated. Right. Right. Well, like I said, you know, it, it could it could have been the bottle. Well, not the bottle so much. I would believe more it could be the cap, 
but then again, what's the real temperature when it starts to boil over? And then yeah. what's what's the temperature of the hoses? And this comes back to a, a heat gun or a thermal imager telling me exact numbers sure goes a long way. And, you know, clearly makes it a lot easier to diagnose something like this. Norman, you got a little bit of legwork to do. All right. There's no easy way out of this. You're gonna have to get your hands on no. the bleed procedure and bleed the air out of the system. You're gonna have to stop and consider the radiator itself. Is the radiator equal temperature all the way across? And it's hard to even get in there to see that. The grill's got to come out, and the bumper may have to come off, and just you know feel for heat, hot and cold spots. Could this be a restricted radiator? The answer is yes to all of the above. Anything's possible, but you got to start to diagnose it the way I'm describing it, just to be sure to eliminate things rather than guessing. All right, is that a deal, buddy? Can you do that? I can do that. Okay. I just one more, one more small little question. Sure, go ahead. Well, I'll let you go. When I had, when my mechanic and I, well, he was doing it, but I was there. He drained my radiator to put my thermostat in because it's in the lower hose. When he was draining it out, it had a real acidy, uriny type of smell to the to the water. Okay. Now, is that mixture of two types of antifreeze that was in there, or is that bad antifreeze, or something that's, that's going corrosive? That, that sounds like, well, that sounds like both. It sounds like bad antifreeze, and it's going corrosive, and now you've got to worry about what sort of rotten damage it's done internally to the cooling system. And that brings me back to the concern about the water pump shaft on the, you know, the water pump impeller spinning on the shaft, or the water pump impeller actually just being worn. It depends on okay. how old the coolant is. If this coolant's 15 years old because it's never been exchanged, you know, all bets are off. There's an awful lot going on here that's got to be looked at. So, okay. All right. Listen, Norman, stay on the line. We're going to – Tom just gave me the nod. We're going to be sending out the 75th anniversary Wix 39 Ford Coupe diecast car to you. Um, you're going to be today's winner. Tom wants to try and make your life a little easier. He knows you're struggling with your with your escape, so he's going to try and uh, cheer you up a little bit. It's got period correct black paint. Custom-created red scallops on each fender. It's got full moon discs, a coordinated red interior, opening hood and trunk. No, you can't drive it in case the escape breaks. And um, just enjoy it and have fun with it. And uh, stay on the line. Let Tom get your information. And we'll be sending that out to you. So, all right, buddy. All right. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, Norman. Good luck to you. And keep me posted. Let me know what happens here. 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor coming back right after this. Just take your place in the drive seat. Welcome back. Ryan Aiden, the car doctor. Phone number is 855-560-9900-247 hotline. Give us a call. Leave a message. If we're not on the air, we'll call you back and hook you up. Uh, a couple of things. Had a, well, let me do this first. A um, little bit of a surprise announcement, and I think I'll uh, I'll get away with this. Uh, we broke into the, I broke into the, I broke into the gift closet during the week at RA Automotive, and I've actually got a couple of brand new launch scan tools sitting in the closet. I'm looking at them, I'm going, three more scan tools, two more scan tools. Got 19 scan tools out in the shop. How many scan tools can any one boy have? I'm thinking, nah. So you know what I'm gonna do? Uh, Norman made me think of this. I'm, I'm tired of hearing people say they don't own a scan tool and they're trying to work on a car. Over the next couple of weeks, all right, time permitting, demand permitting, by the end of October, I want to have given away all my all the scan tools. I've got three scan tools from Launch. We're going to give them away. Brand new in the box, all right, courtesy of the folks at Launch, LaunchTechUSA.com. So you can read about them. They're the Millennium Series tools. I think there's a 50, a 70, and a 90. Uh, we'll give them away in some random order. 
But, um, you know, we're looking for volunteers. Who wants a scan tool? That's what this is about. Yes, Tom, you had a comment. Yes, I just wanted to say, you know, if you bring one in here, no. Tony, Tony's got Tony's got an attached no. OBD two port. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Getting, no, no. We, uh, we 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 can get information on Tony. I'll tell you exactly where to plug it in. I, I can already give you all the information you want about Tony. I had the FBI do a profile on him before we hired him. So he hired him anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. He's the nicest guy on the planet. Uh, besides that, he's bigger than you. He keeps you in line. So, but um, that's next week. Starting next week, you have my word. We're going to give away a scan tool next week. And maybe we'll skip a week and do it the week after. We'll have to see how it plays out. But we're gonna, I'm going to start giving you guys some tools to fix your own car. So we've got to put that up on Facebook, too, Tom. Make the announcement up on Facebook, if you would, on the Car Doctor Facebook page. Next week, we're going to give away a scan tool somewhere in the two hours of this live broadcast. So you have my word. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was, and I thought about this, uh, talking, uh, thinking about the problems we've had today with, with various cars. We had a Prius breakdown this week. Customer came in 2010 Prius. And it wouldn't start. Well, understand what happens on a Prius, on a Toyota Prius, there's an auxiliary battery in the trunk, and then there's the hybrid battery. The auxiliary battery on the right side of the trunk powers up the relays and the start circuits, but not the starter. It powers up the relays that powers up the car to allow the hybrid battery to actually start the vehicle. So the problem was the auxiliary battery went dead. Now, it's not exactly in the most convenient place to get to. It's in that right rear corner. And I don't know of anybody that's really doing any testing on it. You know, we'll go through it on a checklist, but as a quick test as part of a routine oil change, no, it doesn't get done. In order to replace this auxiliary battery, you have to open the rear hatch. Go ahead, ask me. Ask me what powers the rear hatch. The auxiliary battery. So to get the auxiliary battery out, we had to climb in through the back seat. Now, this guy was a tennis instructor. The real riddle is, how many tennis balls can fit in the back of a Toyota Prius? The answer is two words, a lot, all right, because that's how many were there. You know, I could I could see that I could see the caption under the picture up on up on Facebook or in the news got balls. And that's really what it was. It was just tennis balls everywhere. Tennis balls, rackets, cleats, shoes, sneakers. So after we dug out the trunk, we found the little there's a passage or a little a flap door, a plastic flap door down at the base of the overhead door that you have to pop out. And then you reach inside. You know, you're stretched out over the seat, you're stretched out over the stuff that you can't get out, and you kind of reach in there with your flashlight, and you're looking upside down, you find the lever and go, and it opens the hatch. Now, you have to get a battery. The only place I found to get this battery of reasonable quality is from the Toyota dealer. That shows up the next day. So now you have to park the car outside or inside. We didn't have the room inside. We were busy, as we always are. And so we put it outside. So we had to leave the hatch down. If you put the hatch down, it automatically locks which means you got to climb back over and go through the whole routine again. So we took a reg, shoved it into the latch mechanism, and laid the hatch down on top of the reg. It wouldn't lock. It didn't lock, and we were able to get the car back together the next day when the battery showed up. But how ridiculous is that? And you wonder, you say to yourself, and I think Toyota's got some really great engineering, but I think they missed it on this one. I really do. Because you sit there and you look at it and you say, what if this was a person on the side of the road and they had to get jump-started? I mean, we had to take 
we had to take 100 tennis balls out of this car. And, you know, between that and the, the little buckets and the barrels and all the things that you used to play tennis with and, you know, all the bins, where do you put all this stuff? So if you're driving a, a Toyota Prius and you've never put an auxiliary battery in the car and it's more than three years old, consider getting it tested because the breakdown and the inconvenience on the side of the road that you're saving may be your own. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Welcome back. One of the the car doctor. Let's do a last piece of email. I wanted to do this one last week, and I keep putting it off today. But let me let me get this one done. Hey Ron, I always listen to your show. 2006 Impala SS, 11, 110,000 miles, owned it since new. Turn off the car, and the dash lights and the radio stay on. The headlights go out. All of their power is off. Tried opening and closing different. Uh, doors, I guess, for key removed from the ignition, pulled relays under the hood. The only way to get dash lights and radio go off is to pull the radio fuse under the hood. Then I can reinstall the fuse and all as well until I turn the car back on. Then it all repeats. I've attached scan reports, U0184. I'm thinking BCM. Can I change this myself or do I need a shop? Any help is is appreciated. And this comes to us from Tony. Okay. Um, Tony. I did a little research on this. BCM stuff is dicey. There are a lot of problems with BCMs on these cars, and I've you know I'm more than glad to email you what I found in terms of um, exact test procedures. I would tell you you've got to verify power and grounds at the BCM at the point of failure though, at the point where the radio won't turn off and the uh, what is it doesn't come on on oh, the dash lights stay on. I'd want to know can you communicate with the BCM. Here's a case where a good uh, you know, manufacturer-specific scan tool would come in very handy. Can we functional test the lights and the radio? Can we command them on and off? If we command them on and off through the BCM and they don't turn off, I doubt that it's, it's, it's both lights and radio. I would look more at the source of the BCM itself, and I would think more in terms of it's the BCM. Removing power tells me we're powering down the circuit. I would tell you to go and look at the wiring diagram for that circuit. Are you only powering off the radio, or is it also powering off the BCM? Is it one of the input feeds to the BCM? You would have to go. There's red-white wires in pins one and three. On the black connector of the BCM, does it have power? If you disconnect the BCM, there are some tests you can do there. To answer your question, can you do the BCM yourself? You could physically replace it, but once you replace it, it is going to have to be programmed, and that takes a flash tool and the repair shop. So, you know, you've got to do this one in steps, all right? Whenever I'm dealing with something like this, I'm looking for what's common, what's the root cause. I had I had a vehicle this week that had a problem, something similar, where multiple things were staying on, and it turned out to be, when I looked at a wiring diagram, it turned out to be one ground under the driver's door sill plate, under the driver's door footwell area. It had rusted away, and that ground was making a poor connection. I voltage drop tested it, and sure enough, found out it was it was way too high of a voltage drop. It was almost three volts across the ground, and uh, I ended up replacing, relocating the ground to a non-rusty portion of the floor pan, and that fixed the car. So, yes, you can change the BCM. No, you're going to need a repair shop to flash it. There's just no other way around it. You may be able to find a used BCM with your exact part number on it, but why go used on an 11, 12-year-old part? It's probably just as bad as the one you're taking out. Something to think about. I'm Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.